Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. So did you want to talk about one of those digital nomad locations in South Africa today? Or did you yeah. have another idea? No, no, let's go through it. I mean, we, we've, we've also been trading links as well, backwards and forwards this week. So there's a couple couple things there maybe as well. Uh, I haven't had a um, – well, actually, no, let's, let's start with the one that you sent, which was the, the overwork killed more than 745,000 people in a year. Um, WHO study finds. And I think that kind of ties in with, with, with the nomad thing. Um, and I actually had a chat with someone this week and, and, and they did something which I thought was the same as we all thought, but they actually stuck to it. So when, when the lockdowns all started, we all thought that we had extra time because now you're not commuting. But actually what happens is you have less time because you don't have those buffers that the commuting gives you to do other things that you get, that you've gotten used to, like listening to, you know, listening to a podcast or audio book or, or watching your favorite series or whatever it is. Cause now, but now cause you're at home, everything gets jammed in, um, into that free time as well. Anyway, he kept, he used the time to write his book, um, which is what we were discussing on Monday. Um, but when you sent me this article, I was just thinking about, um, how overwork is something that's, it's not necessarily a disease. I don't want to call it that, but it's very easy to overwork when you're, when you're always at home because the work is always there. You never, you never create a boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, what was it like heart disease, heart attacks, sort of those stress related, you know, mm-hmm. those, those conditions that can be exacerbated by stress, I think are what contributed to those excess deaths. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think you're completely right that so much of it is how you're able to take control of your own time. So I think a lot of people have replaced the commute with more working hours. Um, and others have been able to, you know, pick up side hustles or write, you know, write their books, um, which maybe gives you a bit of differentiation, but it's still, you know, it's still work. It's still productivity. Um, so maybe it feels a little bit less draining because it's not, uh, as monotonous, but I wonder, um, I guess health implication wise, if that's always, you know, how much better that is really. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so I'm looking at the paragraph that, that said people working 55 hours or more face an estimated 35% higher risk of stroke and a 17% higher risk of dying from heart disease compared to people following the 35 to 40 hours a week, which is considered normal. So the only thing that I didn't really, which I, which you never know with these things is when they consider, when they say work, do they mean your single occupation? So the one that's, that you cite, like, you know, for most people, that's their job. Or are they talking about people that are sitting behind a computer doing 55 hours of sitting behind a computer where this issue arises? Um, Because I think if you can break it up into other things, you know, creative passion versus the the slog of work, you know, let's say on on that scale, maybe it's not as bad. Um, But I think the, the key thing to it is you've got to have 
activities that take you away from your work, like going for a walk, you know, going for exercise, you know, not always looking at a screen, um, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah, it's not very good for, um, you know, blood flow if you're sitting at your desk uh, in an office chair for 12 hours or whatnot. Yeah, and, and, and that kind of leads me into, you know, the sort of my my week of working in Cape Town. Well, as as a as a as a place to go. So, we we were in a at a wine farm as I mentioned last time um, at Spear, um, which I recommend again. Um, but what was really nice about it is the scenery around you. You're surrounded by mountains, and you are on, a, on your you know, because you're in a wine farm. It is it is a little bit built up around you. It's not completely you know just fields and and vineyards. Um, but everywhere you look is green. It's nature. Um, even the hotel, as much as it's built, is not built to, to obscure any nature. So you can you, know, you can look around your 360 and you can see the the buildings. I know the buildings, the mountains, are, and and the buildings are sort of one or two stories, so they're not they're not imposing on you. Um, and you know, if you're in that kind of environment, yes, you've got work to do, but it, it takes a lot off when you're sitting down. You know, the weather is good. Um, you're sitting at a restaurant in the restaurant there. You look outside and you see this beautiful scenery. Then you look back at your screen, you do a bit of work. Then you look back at the beautiful scenery and then you look back at your screen. Yeah, that takes a whole edge off you know, the work you're doing. We, we joke about Cape Town being the mother city. That's not for any other reason. It takes nine months to do anything. So... <laughs> So it's a bit of a South African joke, I guess. Um, but but what, you know, for, for me working in that, you know, because we're a time zone kind of works for us here in South Africa with the UK, it's only a one hour, two hour difference. You know, the mornings can be very productive in the sense that you can go do a lot of stuff that's not work related because by 11.30, which is sort of 9.30 UK time, when everyone else is coming online, you know, you've already done You've gone for a hike, you've gone for a run, you've gone for gym, you know, gone maybe on a wine tour, not that you should be done in the morning for breakfast, but uh, you could do that. Um, and then that obviously feeds into the evening as well. So, you know, you, you end up working a bit, lo- bit longer. But, you know, we were staying in a hotel for, for a week. It was quite easy to, to have the kids bath and whatever during a break, finish up some calls, go out for dinner. Now you're in a beautiful scenery for dinner. Um, and and you're enjoying that you know you, you can almost put put the work away because now you're in this natural environment that takes you away from work. Um, plus, you know everyone's in a good mood because you know it's it's you know it's a nice summer's night. It's nice and warm. Everyone's in a good you know, everyone's comfortable. That sort of thing. Um, the other things that we that we do you know you can tour. So we we toured down to. Um, we we rented a car for the whole time we were there. So you know we we sort of drove an hour each direction and did stuff. That, that, that you do in Cape Town, um, or at least in the Western Province, which is the the the, the, the potential boundary lines. Um, we went down to the southern tip of, of Africa, which is a beautiful game reserve. Um, it's not, not a lot of game like Big Five, which is sort of the Big Five man killers, you know, lions and hippos and buffalo and all that, elephant. But it's more um, the uh, like buck birds, that sort of thing. But but when you drive down into this nature reserve, it's more of a nature reserve than a game farm. 
It's, 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 it's absolutely stunning. I mean, I, I've seen photos uh, of it. And funny enough, it came up in a book that I was reading that this guy, and it was American, I think, who'd gone down to to, to the same point. Um, and I said to my wife, because it was just before I trip, I said, I really want to go down there. And then again, then while I was listening to this um, this book that I was reading, uh, listening to this last week, um, the artist of Giving of Mark uh, with Mark Manson, he said the same thing. He sat on the on the on the cliff. Now you go down. To, now as you drive in through the nature park, you're driving through a lot of very beautiful grasslands and and um, Cape Bush. But on one side you see one ocean, which is the Atlantic. On the other side you see, uh, I think it's the Indian Ocean. And they're two different colors. Hmm. So they're different colors of of um, green and blue. And then what happens is as you go, as you get to the sort of facility where it, it's it's uh, like a restaurant and, a, and then a cable car system that takes you up to the top of the, the point, you can actually see the two oceans join together. So you see these two different blues hit each other. And and um, it's not it's not like waves crashing together, but you can actually just see them blending. They're, now there are waves that are hitting the the rocks and stuff, but it's absolutely stunning, and it just changes your perception of of the world, because um, you know you're on the you know you're on the most not the most southern tip because Cape Gullis is the most southern, but there's no other land, barring Antarctica, which you can actually see on a clear day. I, I've heard from Cape Town. Um, not that I believe that, but uh, it's, it's probably possible with a telescope or something. Um, but yeah, it's it's it changes your, as I say, your proposition. And then that the sort of drive back, there's penguin, there's a big penguin uh, hatch uh, on one side, and then they've got a another one uh, along the way. And these are like famous beaches you can go to, and it's and it's very um, calming to have these little points that you can just stop and and if you and if you're working like I had calls to make and stuff like that I mean we stopped at the one restaurant the, you know I sat there and did the call quickly and the family had lunch on that um, so it's a bit stressful trying to find a place to do the call and be connected all that kind of stuff but the value of the kids having an opportunity to see penguins and play at the beach and all that kind of stuff you know far outweighs any stress that I, I was having about, about the call Um yeah, so it's definitely worth a visit. Sounds like a very nice place. So I guess did you in terms of your your working time there having that sort of, you know, beautiful scenery in the background and the calm environment did that affect the quality of your work or did you sort of notice any differences in how in how you did your work versus if you'd spend uh, back at your home office. So, so I, so I find when you do the travel, you become a lot more focused on your productivity. So you, cause you've got less time to do stuff. So like, as I say, you know, you, you're going to do some stuff in the morning, then you've got to do calls and stuff. Then you're going to do stuff in the evening. You, you become a lot more ruthless around what do I focus on? You know, because I would usually I've got a team that I'm worried about what they're doing. I usually prioritize the work that I need to do to keep that, keep them going first. Um, and then do the stuff that, that I need to do. That's, that's usually, you know, independent stuff. Um, so for example, would be, um, we've been running out a new user interface. So, so checking all the user interface stuff that the team's waiting for, for decisions on that gets done first. Um, and if I need to write a document or, uh, do a board presentation or whatever it is, I do that, you know, 
when they're not when they're not available online. But as I say, you become a lot more ruthless. And and actually, I was I was listening to something the other day where where a guy implemented something in his office where um, you worked from eight thirty to five thirty. If you stayed overtime, they took away from your they took it away from your bonus pool. So you actually earn less bonus. And he thought that by doing that, he would improve the family relationships of his of his workers, which he did. But also because there was a, a constrained amount of time available to work, people worked a lot more quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot, well, the, the, the delivery was improved because if you've got the whole day, you take the whole day. If you've only got two hours to write something, you take you know you'll 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 focus on it for two hours at, at a higher intensity. Um, knowing that you can have a nice break afterwards, you know, a nice lunch somewhere or whatever it is. So yeah, to answer your question, I definitely noticed that there's improvements in doing it. Um, where it can cause problems, obviously, is that, you know, you're sitting on the coast looking out at, at, at a harbor and everyone else is stuck in their houses and they, they can't go anywhere, which has happened now. You know, we, you know, got everyone in India that's locked down because they obviously have the, the issues they're having there. You feel bad about saying, well, actually, I've just gone for a run on the beach. Um, or I've gone and walked around my complex for, for 20 minutes. You know, I, I don't try, try not to make a big deal of it. Um, but when we were pre-COVID, you know, and I was doing like in Croatia, I was saying, guys, I'm sitting in a harbor in Croatia watching the boats right now. Um, you know, I can send you, I can turn my camera on, you can see it. So everyone sees where I am and then I go back to, we go back to work, but at least breaks the ice a bit and people, you know, know what's going on in your head and, and where you are. Yeah, I don't mind, uh, you know, depending on the circumstance, living vicariously through someone else's uh, nice scenery, especially if they turn the thing around and show you. I wonder, too, if, uh, you know, you mentioned sort of sitting there and every few, you know, minutes or whatever, looking off, um, you know how you're supposed to only look at your screen for so long for eye strain. You're supposed to kind of like force yourself to look at a point, you know, but. I'm staring at a white wall, so there's not a lot of motivation in front of me to like um, naturally kind of pick my head up and look off. And I mm. wonder if that has any sort of, you know, subtle effect too when you're working from, you know, even if I if I took my laptop outside, I don't know how my Wi-Fi situation would be, but I've seen a few people do that um, just for calls and stuff, or like I feel like some people. Um, are doing sort of walking meetings. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can do little bits and pieces of that even from home. No, that's why I say, you know, we, we talk about the, the, the sort of location based ones, but I think you're, you're totally right. I mean, I now to, and to your point about staring at a blank wall. So I've got a whiteboard on my right here. I'm looking into the corner of the room because I've set up my, my study that way. So if I look up away from the screen, I'm looking into the corner of the room. There's nothing to look at there. So I do go outside for a walk and I usually go for a walk about two, two or three laps around the, the complex we're in, which is about half an hour's walk. But while I'm doing that walk, I'm either listening to something or I'm phoning someone to catch up, um, which I would have phoned them typically on a Teams call. But now I've got them on my headphones and I'm walking around. So, so, and I think that's, that's kept my mood quite good. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's the other point because you're sitting in a, you know, if I'm sitting in a restaurant, um, even if, uh, you know, and even if I'm in a bad mood, I'm less likely to snap at a team member or something because of my mood, because I'm now in a public place and I, I'll check myself. Um, whereas if you're in a study, it's very easy just to let that bad mood take over and, 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 you, you know, say something to someone you actually didn't mean to be and this is just my personal emotional immaturity. Um, 
but it's I, th- I find that having the different circumstances works better. And, and you've got a, a nice Starbucks there um, in, Ar- in Arbor, <laughs> um, which I've sat at a few times and I've done calls there. And it's quiet enough. You can do calls there mm-hmm. um, and you can watch the road and, the, and all the rest of it. And I think that's, you know, it's there's nothing wrong with it. And, and I think it's, a well, I mean, it's a very common thing in South Africa for you to join a call with someone and they're driving somewhere. So it's not, you know, if someone's driving, we, we don't even think about it as, as South Africans. Whereas I know in the UK, guys will always apologize for be driving while they're doing a phone call. Sorry, I'm on the phone. I should be at my desk. But actually, as long as I can hear you, I actually, you know, it, look, to be fair, you shouldn't be driving and concentrating on something else. But it's kind of okay if you're just listening in to just know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what, as long as you get a hands free, it's legal. Why not? Yeah. Being productive. Yeah. Now I think, you know, I, I think what you said about the mood thing resonates. Um, I think it can be hard. And I think offices kind of fall into this trap and maybe a downside to the, to the office is that you kind of lose perspective of, you know, your life and the world outside of work and everything can become so, you know, you kind of have, your blinders on and it can be if you have like if someone you know makes a mistake or something like the emotional it's so it is a lot easier i think i find to have an emotional reaction versus if you're you know you just come back from a vacation right like that's why we take you know mm. that's why we have vacations in part like you come back refreshed and you know you've regained some perspective um but a lot of the times it's not you know we take two, three weeks of vacation a year in the U.S., maybe, depending on uh, what you get, if you get any, because there's no, you don't have to get vacation time. Um, Yeah, and that, you know, I think in terms of the coming back to the stress that uh, of overwork and it being, you know, unhealthy, um, I, I think part of it is just losing that, yeah, losing that ability to regulate your emotions because you're kind of trapped, no, no, and I think, yeah, you, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of a couple of things. So, so the one thing that I was thinking about is to go and work somewhere else is is a, is a stress on its own. You got to you got to you got to travel. Mm. But it also makes it it makes it become you have to optimize that travel. So you have to pack the right things. You have to get enough off your plate that you feel comfortable traveling. I mean, I didn't work the whole time we were in Cape Town. I only worked a little bit. Um, but at least, you know, I'd, I'd focus enough to get stuff out. And then when I when I did have to work, I was, you know, it, it wasn't the the major things. It was really the minor things to, to the most part. Um, but the other thing is, is, is that stress factor. Because you're now in a different place, your ability to, you, your, your old habits are broken because you're in a new place. So, you know, you, you have to be, you have to almost reset them naturally because you're in a new place. So I can say you don't get you don't get as you know as agitated maybe as you would have got because it's the same boring call every week, but now you're sitting in a beautiful place. You're like, yeah, I'm sitting in this beautiful place. Now let's have the call. So you're in a better mood. It makes everyone else in a better mood, and um, or maybe you perceive everyone else's moods better. I mean, the the one thing I remember we were sitting there it was a Friday afternoon. Um, I just finished a, a call about something which was it was a, a tough call. And we went, it was three o'clock in the afternoon. So we, we, we ended early, went for a wine tasting. Now, if I was back in Joburg, at my desk, or even in the UK, behind my desk, you would have ended that call. You might've got downstairs and had a cup of coffee, come back up again and just carried on working. And you just would have perpetuated that 
that frame of reference, frame of mind. Whereas by going to do something else, because you're in a different place, you're more open to do that other thing. You go over the wine tasting. Then you think back to that thing. You actually know it's not that bad. And mm-hmm. you send a text and you say, look, it's not, you know, all good. No, no issues there. Carry on. So your, your mindset shift is, it becomes, it becomes um, more manageable. Um, and I think you become a better, better worker because you experience the things. Now, there's a piece to this where you've got to trust the people if they're traveling and working to actually still do the work, um, not just be there to to do all the good things, experience all the the, the the tourism stuff. But then that should be blocked out in your diaries and, you know, yeah. there should be some personal time off as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm sure it works for some people and other people would find it too distracting. So you kind of have to know yourself and what degree you think it could really get anything done, you know, depending on where you are. So, well, and, and I think that comes down to the environment you're in or the, or the business you're in, um, mm-hmm. at least at this stage of life. I think that's why independent contractors tend to, to be able to get away with it more um, because they're going to say, oh, look, I'm working on your project, but I'm sitting in my beach house in Cape Town or Durban or wherever, or, or you know, wherever they, wherever they have it. But, you know, I'm, you're getting paid to do a job, paid to do an output, um, not so much get paid to do, do a job. Um, and I think there's a level of, of experience and skill that has to go with that too. You know, if, have you got mm-hmm. the skills and experience to, to deliver stuff in that manner? I wouldn't necessarily push it on a, on a person who's got, it's their first job. Um, you'd want them to have the coaching, the mentoring, because that's, that's the other piece is, is the social aspects. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I find because I'm usually, because now we're all remote all the time that I've had to double up on my, on my sort of talking to each, each team member, um, because you're not, you're not seeing them in, in, in the passage or at their desks, you know, yeah. you're sort of all, all far away from each other. Yeah. I can get disconnected, um, from what else, from what other people are doing so easily for sure. Well, great. Sounds like a lovely place to visit. Hope I can make it one day. Well, um, if you like red wine and you like steak. <laughs> <laughs> or any wine, The wine sounds lovely. So um, nothing wrong with that. So, all right, cool. I should probably sign up there cool. for today. Yeah. Super. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.